Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. For those members of the squad, it's the D.C. two-step. This is just raw hate. The United States fully supports Israel's right to defend itself against attacks. We need to work together to expand normalization between Israel and uh, Arab and the Muslim world. If Hamas breaks the calm, our response will be very powerful. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. And uh, bad news from Clearwater, Florida. East Carolina University loses to Memphis. Final score? 11 to 1. 11 to 1. Did they even make nine innings? No, 10 run ruled in seventh inning. Unbelievable. Yeah, the uh, they started Tyler Smith, which is their typically their third starter. <clears throat> and... The third and fourth starters for ECU have not been performing very it's well. It's a double-game elimination, so uh, we'll see what happens. Let's see. Too. Yeah, they'll come back tomorrow and play uh, the loser of the Cincinnati-UCF game, which was Cincinnati. So they'll play Cincinnati tomorrow. And you dig yourself into a hole, though, when you get in the loser's bracket. Well, yeah. You, their pitching will be uh, tested for sure. We are pleased <clears throat> to uh, announce that a week from this Friday – we will be doing news and views live from the North Carolina Republican Party Convention over at the convention center in Greenville. So I'd say stop by and see us, but I, you, you got to be a delegate to get in. But we're working on some guests, and uh, we've already I've been in contact with Madison Cawthorn's uh, folks and with uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, and uh, there are others on the list. So it should be a good and interesting program. Unfortunately for Benny, the South Dakota governor, she will not be there until Saturday. Uh, so we can do a Saturday gig, too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. The uh, big news out of Elizabeth City. Police are looking to charge a Greenville woman with a hate crime after she hit two protesters with a car in Elizabeth City Monday evening. Elizabeth City Police say Michelle Morris, 42, and Valerie Lindsay, 42, were hit by a car driven by a 41-year-old Lisa O'Quinn from Greenville. The crash happened around 6.45 last night. Police say the two were peacefully protesting the death of Andrew Brown Jr. when they were hit. They were taken to a hospital. They've since been released. O'Quinn has been charged with two counts of assault with a deadly weapon with the intent to kill by use of a motor vehicle. One count of careless and reckless, one count of unsafe movement. Police are also looking into the possibility of charging O'Quinn with a hate crime that would lead to a heavier sentence. Now, listen, I am in no, no way, and this this O'Quinn O'Quinn woman, uh, she ought to be charged. But I will just say this, is, is it not a little ironic that we had all these protests over Andrew Brown when Andrew Brown attempted to run over police officers. Yeah. (laughs) And we had all kinds of people on the left protesting and defending Andrew Brown, say there was nothing to it. And now we have this O'Quinn woman who is being charged with a hate crime I mean, it's, it's rather interesting. Intent to kill by the use of a motor vehicle. Mm-hmm. And she's being charged 
basically doing the same thing that Andrew Brown Jr. did. Right. Well, <clears throat> I don't know anything about the case, just like. I'm just reading the story. Just like but. 90% of the people knew nothing about the case of Andrew Brown before they wanted to, uh, you know, convict and hang the, the police. Right. But the bottom line, well, one, two things. The Elizabeth City protesters have been peaceful so far. They have. And give them credit for that. Amen. However, everything that we've seen on TV for the last year, if a family member of mine was just driving home, and we're in the middle of the in street, protesters in the middle of the street, and they start beating on the car. And you try to get out of there? I've told my wife, drive. Yeah. Do not stop. Get out or get out. Drive and get out of there. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is the street is made for cars. Right. And, you know, all these protests, I believe in people having the right to peacefully protest. But I think law enforcement should, you should have a permit. There should be, hey, block off the street and say, Here's your protest spot. but um, The ones I am irritated at are the individuals that have gone way over the edge in their description of what happened mm-hmm. when they said that Andrew Brown was executed, that yeah. he was peacefully <clears throat> just trying to get away, that they, they, they tainted the storyline to the point that if you were not investigating it for yourself, if you were not trying to pull back the layers of the onion and you just went on what some of these attorneys were saying, you got a you got a raw different story, a wrong story. Well, quite frankly, after watching the video, there there may be some policy violations, maybe. I'm not gonna say that, of the Elizabeth City Police or Pasco Tank uh, County Sheriff's Department. But anyone that said that Andrew Brown was executed, which the attorneys and all that. There's no other way to say it other than they're liars, right. period. Well, remember, one of the things they said that uh, that they were dogmatic on was that the first shot got Andrew Brown in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, the first shot we now know from the video and the evidence that, no, it was into the windshield as he was driving towards the police officer. Anyway, uh, again, I, I am not uh, at all... Uh, siding with this O'Quinn woman. No, she could be a nut. She, well, I, <laughs> no, who knows? No, I, I mean. I, there's an interesting picture of her. I will just leave it at that. Um, but, but again, it, it is rather ironic that and interesting and interesting that she's <laughs> being charged with the same thing that uh, some people were saying Andrew Brown was totally innocent of. The News and Observer is reporting that Republicans in the state legislature have uh, spent years slashing state personnel and uh, corporate taxes. Republican state senators today called for picking up where they left off, moving the corporate income tax closer to extinction. I wouldn't exactly call it that. They're going from 5.25% to 4.99%. Now, is that the... um, No, I'm sorry. That is the income tax. Individual. That's the Mm -hmm. individual income tax. Uh, Senate Republicans also want to spend federal funds on grants for businesses. Not a lot of detail on what they mean by that. The move led by Paul Newton, who's on this program just about a month ago. Mount Pleasant Republican comes ahead of the state budget process. Newton told reporters Tuesday they are proposing a tax cut because we believe people spend their money better than the government does. You know, that is the one truism between Republicans and Democrats, is Republicans, by and large, believe that the money ought to stay in the hands of the individual because they know how to spend their money more wisely. 
the Democrats dogmatically think they are much wiser with your money and you ought to give it to them. Well, the Democrats think it's their money. Yeah, that's true, too. And, and, and they determine what you keep of it. Right. And aren't, aren't we nice to you to let you spend uh, or let you re- retain a, a percentage of it? Was, who was it? Um, was it Oliver Wendell Holmes that said the uh, taxation is the uh, cost of a civilized society or something like that? The Democrats just think we should be really, really civilized, and they should determine how you should be civilized and the definition of civilized. The child credit um, would be raised by $500. The current current uh, tax deduction is up to 2500 for families who use the federal child tax credit. The reduction in the income tax rate and the increase in the standard deduction would begin July 1, 2022. The Republican philosophy, when government takes too much of the money from the people, it gives back in the form of tax relief, Newton said. Newton told reporters that they will still anticipate a budget surplus in the future, not just as much as one that we've had in the past. Isn't, doesn't the Constitution, you might know this uh, with a clearer uh, memory than I have, but isn't the North Carolina State Constitution, are we not allowed to have an overly large surplus in our i mean we're allowed to have a rainy day fund but doesn't the constitution state that if we're collecting too much that we've got to refund it or we've got to adjust our taxes that it's not we're not over collecting i don't think so i know you know we have a constitutional uh required balanced budget in north carolina right. yeah, most states do <clears throat> and i think all the states do it was on the ballot a few years ago about the maximum uh, individual tax rate as a as a constitutional right. amendment did that right. pass yes. I, I think yes. it did didn't yeah. It? Yeah. it couldn't exceed like and you cannot increase it by but a certain percentage right mm-hmm. uh, anyway they're they're looking to uh, reduce your taxes again so if you don't like to pay high taxes vote republican well prior to the republicans taking over the general assembly and was it 2012 is that about when the Republicans took over the General Assembly in North Carolina. Does that sound right, 2010 or 12? Yeah, I'd say 10. Well, prior to that, North Carolina was was one of the worst states well, as under, far as taxation uh, yeah. goes under Democrats. And under, I mean, well, remember when we had to pay back all that money to the federal government right. because Purdue had overly uh, borrowed uh, for mm-hmm. unemployment. So and uh, and and the individual business owners were the one that were, footed the bill. Footed the bill. Yeah, you and I footed that bill. Yep. But prior to that, we were like in the high thirties, maybe fortieth as far as tax friendly states, and now we're like five or six yeah. since the Republicans. Well, there was just a survey that came out uh, last week, and we were number five. Right. And uh, I guess they wanted to be number one. And pretty much <laughs> all of those are in the South. Um, well, they're all including, red states. Including Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Department of State under Cousin Eddie, Joe Biden, issued <laughs> guidance to all diplomatic and consulate posts encouraging official displays of support of Black Lives Matter on the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's murder on May the 25th today and beyond, according to a new report. According to a leaked memo... From an anonymous State Department source, the department wrote that it supports the use of the term Black Lives Matter in messaging content, as well as in speeches and foreign diplomatic engagements on May 25th and beyond. The memo allows U.S. diplomats, are you ready for this, to fly the Black Lives Matter flag outside of embassies. 
Fox News verified the authenticity of the memo, first reported by Human Events, a conservative American political news uh, and uh, website. Specifically, the memo acts as an uh, authorization for agencies higher up to display the Black Lives Matter flag on the external facing flagpole at any chiefs of missions who determine such a display is appropriate in light of local conditions. Now, remember, because we've got a lot of stories today dealing with this directly or indirectly, but remember the founders of Black Lives Matter were self-avowed Marxists. Yes. Mm-hmm. Self-avowed on, on Marxists. Record. On yeah, record. on record. And so we are now flying the flag of an organization that was founded by Marxists. And while they have tweaked, uh, tweaked their website, I'm, I'm not sure whether it's up there now or not. It's not. They've taken it down. Mm-hmm. But at one point, and, and I'm, I'm quite certain that there are uh, snapshots, uh, what do they call it when they take a shot of the screenshot, uh, screen, screenshot of, uh, of the fact that they're bragging about their Marxist ties. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put this on our embassy flagpoles next to the next to the American flag. And they also said one of the points in their mission statement was the disruption of the Western nuclear family. There you go. It's not there now. That's been taken off. Yeah. But uh, think about that. A reporter discussed police reform changes since the death of George Floyd. This is cut to Clark. Get it ready. Um, He was up in Minnesota, Minneapolis, at the George Floyd Square. Gunshots could be heard ringing out, leaving the reporters seeking cover. U.S. President Joe Biden had. They wanted this bill of comprehensive police reform uh, to be... The reporter Philip Crowther, an international affiliate for the Associated Press, was on the scene. Um, You can hear the uh, gunshots pretty clearly in the background. From our vantage point, we see one broken window, apparently the one uh, that was uh, fired, uh, shots were fired at. Consensus among reporters was that we heard anywhere between a dozen and two dozen shots fired. They went back and listened to the video. They counted 30 shots. George Floyd Square is quiet now, the reporter said, about an hour after his initial tweet uh, with that video. But a fellow reporter had just had her phone smashed because she took photos of a storefront hit by a bullet. No word on who smashed her phone. Hmm. So uh, how's it all working out for you? I wonder what's going to happen tonight. I mean, I ho- I hopefully mean, nothing. Hopefully nothing will happen, but... Uh... I didn't realize it was the anniversary until the day of of George Floyd's death, but um, you know I don't I don't know how much more Minneapolis can take. These neighborhoods no. are, I mean these some of these neighborhoods will never come back, and that and that hurts the people. You know? Well, two billion dollars in damage 
from last summer's riots. Now, that was more than just Minneapolis, but Minneapolis took the brunt of it. The Epic Times has got a story today just talking about the fact that uh, all these calls to defund the police, uh, officials are now walking those numbers back, those claims back. Uh, Jacob Fry last year. Now, I I will credit Fry. He tried to have a a foot on both sides of the issue, um, but he did come out initially and just say, you know, defunding the police isn't a real good idea. And he was slammed. He was slammed by Black Lives Matter and critical race theory folks. Um, but you have, uh, and, and of course now, they're, um, the, the city council of Minneapolis just this week approved $6.4 million in more funding for police. Uh, <laughs> Jacob Fry, the, the, the mayor, is pushing for more than that. Up in New York, the uh, commie mayor, Bill de Blasio, Democrat, announced this month his city is building a police precinct in Queens to deal with rising crime. Uh, he last year he pledged to cut a billion dollars. I I mean, do these people? Not, I mean, I I know they're morons, but I mean, do, do they not think that people will remember when they make these outlandish statements? Do you remember? Uh, did you travel to New York much? Say in the eighties, prior to Rudy Giuliani being um, mayor. Well, remember uh, who was the mayor back before Giuliani, who pretty much bankrupt the was it. Uh, was it? Coke uh, or Koch? Koch, Koch yeah, Mayor I mean, it was Koch, Koch, yeah, yeah. He he basically had bankrupt the city. But it, but the crime, I, I was there, and in, the crime was bad. Yeah, and eight, yeah. I was there in eighty seven summer school, and the crime was terrible. But then, like in the nineties, when Giuliani took over, I mean, it's New yeah. York was transformed. Well, he stopped and frisk, and, 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 and that they claimed was unconstitutional. Regardless of what you think about him, I mean, Bloomberg kind of continued that right that trend. Um, is you know thinking protection and thinking hey if we have a safe city people want to come here now no one wants to go there according to new york police department data there was a 76 percent increase in shootings in march of 2021 as compared to march of 2020 mm-hmm. in los angeles uh, they're looking to hire an additional 250 more officers they uh, were now the mayor there eric garcetti pledged to cut funding last year. How's that working out for you? He's a nut. In, in Baltimore, a city that historically had a high crime rate, that's where I grew up, and yes, historically, it has always had a high crime rate. Uh, they have, uh, in mid-May, they approved a budget of $28 million increase in the police department. Uh, in 2020, the city cut $22 million. So they actually are $6 million ahead of what the cut is. So they basically had a net increase of $6 million in supporting the police the uh, defund the police thing is, uh, yeah, it back, backfiring big time. In San Francisco, PJ Media is reporting in San Francisco, homelessness is taking over. P- and I mean, this, and this is throughout California, but San Francisco might be the worst. I mean, just people defecating and urinating in, in public. All I mean, just the unsanitary condition of it all. And thieves are taking whatever they want. There are now. If you live in San Francisco and you're dependent upon a small drugstore, and drugstores today, I mean, it's not just pharmaceuticals. Some in some small uh, inner city communities, your local CVS or Walgreens is basically your survival store. That's where you go even by, to buy groceries and whatnot. 
uh, 17 Walgreens stores have closed in San Francisco. Why? Because the homeless people just go in and pick up what they want and walk out with it. Mm-hmm. And they are, the, the employees there are instructed to just let them go. There was a city ordinance that I actually I think it was a state ordinance, but it's had a terrible effect in San Francisco that um, if you're not stealing more than $950, it's just going to be considered a misdemeanor. People are going and stealing it, and they're setting up, literally setting up shops on the sidewalk. They go into Walgreens, take what they want, go out on the sidewalk and sell it. And uh, this is is your uh, liberal policy. This is why California is emptying out. Last person out, please turn out the lights. Well, speaking of California, did you see um, the Fox News correspondent Lawrence Jones? I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yes, yes, yes. Did you see his... I think it was this weekend, he had a uh, a segment on um, Venice Beach in California. Yes, I did see that. I, can you believe How? that? I mean, <laughs> How? I mean, it's terrible. And, and, and they're enabling these people by continuing to just you know, let, them, let them squat. Do whatever. Do whatever. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, and it's there's on drugs the, everywhere. It's on the beach. It goes on literally for miles, tent after tent after tent, junk, stink, urination, and, and one of the questions he asked, or one of the individuals who was, I, I guess, a business owner or a homeowner there, why are you still here? And she said, well, I haven't given up yet. You know, I, I don't think there's enough numbers to ever turn California, and that's by design just because of the, of the illegal immigration. But I, I think there's a lot of Democrats and a lot of normal, reasonable people in California that is fed up. Well, there is a lot of fed up. When we get back, there's a story in the Washington Examiner talking about, okay, is is all this craziness, this increase in violence, this homelessness, uh, this anarchy, is it going to hurt the Democrats in the 2022 election? We'll talk about that when we get back. Shotgun with your 5 o'clock drive. Well, the drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Tom, Benny, and Clark, and uh, today is National Wine Day. Hey. Um, Did you know that? No, but is it your birthday today? Uh, well, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. How about that, Clark? <laughs> National Wine Day and my birthday, same day. A little day. birdie told me so. Well, 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 there you go. That is. <laughs> 67 today, 1954. Man, it goes quick. 54 model. Hmm. It goes quick. That's right. If you see a 1954 car on the road, it is old and rusty. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it gets restored. There you go. Had any restoration? <laughs> uh, uh, I probably could use some. How dare you? <laughs> Uh, he, he was waiting for that. <laughs> the uh, weather forecast for uh, anybody else having a birthday today. A chance of showers and thunderstorms mainly before 7 o'clock tonight. Low around 68. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. It is going to be hot tomorrow, 96. Wednesday night, partly cloudy. Low around 70. Thursday, a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms after 2 o'clock. Uh, otherwise, a high of 95. And Thursday night, again, low around 70 with clear skies. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course. Full-service dining and outdoor pool that opens this weekend. This is a great time to join. Go enjoy the pool, tennis, and more. Our newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. 
For a limited time, join Ironwood, pay zero initiation fees. Call 252-752-4653. Find out what makes us the best of Greenville. 252-752-4653. Be a part of the best Ironwood Golf and Country Club. The Washington Examiner is reporting a rise in violent crime is endangering slim Democratic congressional majorities more than a year out from the midterm elections and threatening to revive law and order as a major campaign issue for Republicans for the first time since 1990s. Although I disagree with that. I think, I mean, even though it wasn't a front burner issue for Donald Trump four years ago in 2016, I think he used law and order to his advantage. Homicides in cities increased by up to 40% over the previous year, the biggest single-year increase since 1960. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you call that significant? I think so. A trend has not abated so far in 2021. 63 of the 66 largest police jurisdictions saw a rise in at least one category of violent crime, ranging from homicide and rape to robbery and assault, according to the Major Cities Chiefs Association. Homicides and shootings have gone up for three straight years in Washington, D.C. I think they've gone up longer than that. They constantly (laughs) go up in D.C. And at least a dozen mass shootings were reported nationwide over the weekend. Democrats' flirtation with defunding the police, a handful of lawmakers on the left nearly scuttled a $1.9 billion capital security bill in the House, May uh, that may make them ill-equipped to handle the reemergence of crime as the top vote uh, issue for voters. Uh, look, Democrats cannot escape their allegiance to the defund the police crowd. They married themselves to it. I mean, they are they have. I, and there's just so much video out there. I mean, there's no problem coming up with ads when the Republicans are running because. You know, time after time after time. I mean, you you have to go out of your way, and you'd have to press the Joe Bidens of the world to get him to come out and say, "No, I don't agree with the defund the police." Now he did say it a couple of times, but you, you know, it, it was it, it was painful for them to even come out and say, I, "I disagree with defunding the police." Well, if you recall the 2020 presidential election. All the Democrat candidates, including Joe Biden, were silent on all the. Right. I mean, people could see it with their own lying eyes: buildings being burned down, cars overturned, people being shot over you know the so-called peaceful protests. And it was not until the uh, polling data came out that that was a hot button issue that all of a sudden they even started addressing it at all. A t- I mean, well, listen to this. It goes along with what you just said. A top Democrat data scientist estimated that rising anxiety about crime and perceptions that Democrats did not support law enforcement drove more conservative-leaning non-white voters, especially Hispanics, to cast their ballots for Trump, even though Biden disavowed the phrase defund the police. In the end, Trump won voters whose top vote issue was crime by 44 points. Yeah. Well, you even if you remember the overpaid idiot on CNN, Don Lemon, was talking about, I mean, I really wish... Um, Don't sugarcoat it. What do you think about well, the guy? Well, I mean, he is. <laughs> I mean, I mean he, he even said, I really wish that uh, the, the protests would calm down for a while because the violence, oh, yeah. violence is really hurting Joe Biden yeah. and the yeah, polls. He, yeah, he came I out mean, he and said, said the that. polls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, something else that backs that up is just kind of just side empirical data. Um, you look at gun purchases last year. Now, a liberal would say, well, that's another redneck like me wanting to buy another firearm. Not so. Not so. When you look at what's purchased, 
it's per is it's firearms that are first-time buyers and it's the type of handgun that a first-time buyer buys right they, they can't that's the reason the ammunition's out because right. and 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 they're very well if you want to buy a small handgun that is easy to use a small magazine 380 or something comparable to that 357 38 yeah you, you can't find them no nope. i mean if you want to go get one you've got to find out when the shipment's going to come in and you've got to be the first one in line at the store and to this day even now over at academy sports I think it's Wednesdays and Sundays they get ammunition in. And there are people lined up around the building, and they're sold out within 10 minutes. And there's probably not a lot of four-wheel drive trucks in that line. No. Okay. No. Yeah. No, probably It's not. probably minivans and uh, Volvos. <laughs> you know, I, I, the Democrats have a tendency to go way overboard when it comes to these kind of uh, – the, the, this rhetoric. And in the end, it, it bites them in the butt. Speaking of voting, though – um, there is a story out that originated in the Atlanta Constitution, the Atlanta Journal Constitution. A judge ruled on Friday to unseal and permit the audit of more than 145,000 absentee ballots cast for Joe Biden and Donald Trump in Fulton County during the 2020 presidential election. Henry County Superior Court Judge Brian Amaro allowed the ballots to be audited. But the ballots must remain in Fulton County's possession to prevent mishandling, and the results of the audit cannot be cannot change the certification of elections. Now they're not saying he couldn't. I mean, it, you could have a whole another hearing come up, but the, his his decision will not change the certification. The lawsuit was brought forth by nine plaintiffs who argued that some of the ballots were fraudulent, and the counting processes were plagued by irregularities. The claims were investigated by the Office of the Secretary of State, who viewed hours of video from Election Day. The claims were dismissed when they declared that nothing improper had taken place. Gabrielle Sterling, Chief Operating Officer for the Secretary of State's office, said in March that witnesses were wrong in describing what they saw. They don't understand what they're saying, he told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution at the time. How can you look at that video after everybody was sent home... <laughs> And you see the Democrats coming in and pulling the suitcases and the boxes from underneath uh, the the tables and start counting the ballots again after they told the Republicans to go home. How, how do you how do you and uh, oh, oh you didn't see that right? And and again uh, they also uh, re- falsely reported a water main break. You right. remember, remember that story exactly? Atlanta. Yeah, it was like a, a mail urinal overflowed <laughs> and they had to shut down the whole Coliseum. According to the uh, the Georgia election data, 115,788 absentee ballots were cast for Biden, 29,479 for Trump, and 1,727 for Libertarian candidate Joe Jorgensen. Um, Amaro said the audit will entail county officials scanning absentee ballots to develop high-resolution images, which will then be examined by the plaintiffs at their expense to determine their uh, validity. Uh, The Gateway Pundit is reporting that a sample of 950 military ballots were recently audited in Georgia. 950. Now, that that wasn't all of them. They just grabbed 950 and said, okay, let's check these out. All 950 were cast for Joe Biden. (laughs) Um, Yesterday, John Fredericks, who has got his own podcast, was interviewed by Steve Bannon, and I granted, both these guys are on the right, 
but this guy did a report on what was happening in Atlanta by this Superior Court Judge Brian Amaro, and this is what he had to say. Cut one. Two oh. state senators now, Republicans, Beach and Jones, calling for the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to be side-by-side side with the forensic analysis looking at these 147,000 mail-in ballots. Now, what is at issue here? There's a couple of key things. Were there counterfeit ballots? Six affidavits of veteran election officials are alleging that up to 30,000 are fake. Somebody printed them up on a machine and ran them through the vote counting machines. They're not real. They're not attached to anybody. They have four pieces of evidence. Number one, they're on different paper. Why isn't the same paper that everything else is on? Number two, they're not folded. In order to get an absentee ballot, you have to get it in the mail, which means that the Department of Elections in Georgia machine folded the ballot. You can't have a ballot in an envelope that you mail back or Dropbox back that's not folded. Number three, you've got the same exact bubble mark on the ballot, the same one for upwards of 30,000 of these ballots, 97% of them voting for Joe Biden, 97% voting for John Ossoff. And the fourth thing is the affidavits say that these the bubble marks are not made by an ink pen or a pencil, that they're made by a machine. They did an analysis batch of 950 military ballots. This is a matter of public record. Nobody made this up. Out of a batch of 950 military mail-in ballots, Joe Biden got 950 votes, Trump zero. That's 100%. That is virtually impossible to have happen. Not only that, they were in sequential order. That's also public. That means that every ballot that came in in the mail is somehow in exact sequential order. How is that possible? Here's the other thing Birch Jones said, state senator there. If Judge Amaro makes a declaratory judgment that counterfeit ballots were there and that some of them were counted twice, that's the other possibility here, that he's going to demand that Governor Kemp call a special session and they're going to start decertifying elections. Trump Biden. Second one, U.S. Senate, Purdue, likely won in the first ballot. Why is Ossoff there? Why was there a runoff? Number three, a House seat, 7th District, 400 of votes separated the Democrat winning. Plus, there were a number of seats in the Georgia House that were under two or 300. All of those are going to call for a special session to okay. be decertified. <laughs> now, I don't know where this is going to go, and I would be shocked if it's decertified. But uh, there's something stinking in Denmark, and uh, 950 <laughs> ballots all oh, going yeah. for uh, Joe Biden. For a second, when he first started, I thought that was Larry King. He's <laughs> got that Larry King. Good evening, <laughs> good evening Atlanta. <laughs> we'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. There was a school board meeting in Alamance County up near Burlington. I guess Burlington is in Alamance County. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, it got out of hand. There was a heated debate because there was a 
protest from parents because at one of the high schools, the yearbook had an article about the Black Lives Matter movement in, in the yearbook. And apparently, I, I have not read the article or read this, the story in the yearbook, but apparently it was tilted strongly towards, the, to, towards sympathies to the Black Lives Matter and had inferences against the police. One particular woman by the name of Patsy Simpson started arguing with other board members. Uh, Patsy is the only African-American on the Alamance Burlington School Board. Quote, don't talk to me about setting an example when you talk about black lives don't matter. Simpson, on the board's lone black member, said in exchange with an audience member, don't talk to me about that when you're talking about why I feel the way I do. Now, the audience member did not say that black lives don't matter. They merely said that the article was inappropriate. This year's Southern Alamance High School yearbook included a national year in review featuring an article on Black Lives Matter. Jennifer Gregory, a Southern Alamance parent, told the school board on Monday that the Black Lives Matter article promotes hate, violence, and division and was anti-police. Gregory was joined by other speakers who urged support for a bill passed by the state house that the authors say would restrict the teaching of critical race theory in schools. The legislation, which is awaiting a vote in the Senate, would set rules on how public schools could teach about critical race theory. Now, the News and Observer said it set rules on how the public schools could teach about race and racism. Uh, Again, please note that critical race theory is a Marxist ideology, and that's what they're saying we're not going to teach. But some speakers also came Monday to defend the right of the students on the yearbook staff. Zach Clemens, a 2020 Southern Alamance graduate, so he's a fairly young man, contrasted this year's complaints with a lack of response to a Blue Lives Matter flag appearing on last year's yearbook's front page. If the yearbook isn't supposed to be political, then why was that allowed? Well, for one thing, it was allowed because a year ago and all years previous, it was not a political thing to support your local police. (laughs) It was a patriotic thing. Right. That's like saying putting a picture of the American flag up is is political that's racist now by the way you know the american flag oh yeah oh yeah well uh, on the other hand as we said earlier in the program individuals that started black lives matter were marxist amid the complaints the school board chairwoman allison grant said she'd asked superintendent bruce benson to review this year's uh yearbooks and the process and protocols Simpson questioned why Grant had made the request without consulting the board first, saying it gives the appearance that they're saying that the yearbook staff did something inappropriate. Benson justified the review. This is, again, the uh, superintendent saying that we review stuff all the time. It might not lead to any adjustments or it might. School board vice chair Tony Rose stepped in and said he didn't feel it was inappropriate for Grant to have made such a request. This triggered another exchange that ultimately led to the meeting ending prematurely. He's not going to speak to me in that matter, Simpson said. If you want me to calm down, then everybody else needs to. Otherwise, adjourn the meeting. But if you come after me, Mr. Rose, I'm coming back after you. 
Audience members who were critical of the yearbook yelled comments at Simpson, who by then had risen out of her seat. Alamance County Sheriff Terry Johnson, who was at the board meeting, for another matter, got out of his seat to intervene. What actions are we making for our kids, Johnson, whose handling of the Black Lives Matter protest has been questioned by some, said to Simpson and the audience, if we can't get along, how do we expect our kids to? You should never have come in here with this BS if you want to get along. Simpson responded, getting along is acknowledging who I am as a person. (laughs) Simpson does a good job of making herself out to be the victim. Mm -hmm. Johnson responded he had always acknowledged Simpson as a person. At this point, the board voted to adjourn. You know, in the times in which we live. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get a lot of mileage out of that one, aren't you? You know, Miss Simpson is a prime example of being misinformed about the Black Lives right, Matter organization because right. you don't hear about it in the media, except she, for us. And- she, she looks at it as a soundbite, and of course Black Lives Matter. And yes, Black Lives do matter. That phrase is correct. Black Lives do matter. But Black Lives Matter, the organization, is a Marxist organization. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Just about out of time. Uh, We do have enough time to let you know we now have a true critical race theory postmodernist set to lead the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice. This is unbelievable. The uh, Senate confirmed Kristen Clark as the first black woman to run the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division in a 51 to 48 vote. And uh, Susan Collins voted yes with the Democrats. No surprise there. John Kennedy did not vote. I imagine he w- didn't vote for one of two reasons. If it didn't, you know, if it, well, I don't know why he voted, but uh, his vote didn't matter, knowing that uh, Susan Collins is going to vote for her. Um, we can talk more about her tomorrow, but, I mean, this woman has written, she, she wrote an article for the uh, Harvard newspaper years ago this woman is just an avowed racist. She is. Yeah. It, it just, and she's going to head the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. Unbelievable. Hey, thanks for being with us, and uh, join us again tomorrow. Happy Bob birthday. Carl. Well, thank you, sir. I'm going to go out and uh, watch some uh, Little League baseball to celebrate my birthday. Thank you. <laughs>